0: Hi, and welcome to the Bluff Church Podcast. Each week, we bring you the Sunday message from the Bluff Church in Poppin Bluff, Missouri. If you like our podcast, we'd appreciate it if you take a moment and leave a review on your favorite listening platforms on iTunes or Google Play. Your review helps other listeners find our podcast. For more information about the Bluff, we invite you to visit our website at thebluff.church or our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just search for The Bluff Church. If you live in the Popper Bluff area, we invite you to come be a part of the Bluff on any Sunday at 1027 a.m. in the ballroom of the Holiday Inn. Now here's this week's message. Good morning. (laughs) Okay, so sorry for that. I've already lost my train of thought for the rest of the morning here. Maybe we should just pray and go home. No, I'm just joking. Um, If you don't know who I am, my name is Mason Powell. I am the teaching co-pastor here. And if you're a guest here, I am glad and thrilled that you're here. And we do this thing at the beginning of every service where we take a moment and we give a round of applause and recognition to either an area of service or particular individuals within the church here to show that everyone matters and part of what happens here at the Bluff. In the past few weeks, we've taken a kind of a different approach where we've looked at st- instead at like age groups. And we've gone pretty much every age group from birth to retirement. So this morning, what we want to do is give recognition to a very special group. I mean, this is a group who have reached the promised land. They have, they've hit the end. They're at the, the wonderful land of retirement. So if you have retired, can you please stand up so we can recognize you right now? There we go, yes. You guys can be seated. Thank you guys so much that you are here. Because you guys are, are crucial to the dynamic of this place because you are the people who, who have reached the end. You've gone through experiences in life that allow us to hear your wisdom in those matters. When we go through the same things, when it seems like our life is burning and is in pieces, you guys are the ones who can remind us saying, well, that's just a phase, you know, give it five years or 10 years, you'll be on to a new disaster and that will be the old disaster. Okay? Like you guys are, are the wisdom a part of this group and so we are incredibly thankful that you guys are here. (laughs) So moving on to our actual message, there's a question I I want us to to ask and it's actually looking at what is the scariest question to be asked when you're in high school. In case you're wondering, it's also the scariest question to be asked if you're in college or you're just a young adult. Do You know what that question is? What do you plan to do after you graduate? That is a terrifying question because when someone asks that question, you know, they tend to mean well, but the person hearing it usually gets filled with all this anxiety, and it feels like someone has just stepped on your toes and hit you with a shovel at the same time. Like, you know that person means well, but it's kind of a scary thing to be looking out, and you're like, I have no idea what's ahead of me in the future, but everyone's expecting me to know. And it's kind of a, a shameful, kind of like a scary little place to be because oftentimes we are bombarding uh, people when they're like freshmen and sophomores to answer this question when at the same time they're trying to learn how to drive and, and how to ask someone out on a date and we're expecting them to know their entire life's future at that age. I've experienced a little bit of this myself just this past year. You see, I knew... Come summertime, I would need to find a job at a church somewhere, but I had no idea what that was going to be. I didn't, I'd never even heard of the Bluff Church yet. And so I was kind of filled with a little bit of anxiety every time we had a family gathering because I knew a grandparent or an aunt or anyone on Jody's side of the family <laughs> was going to pester me about this question of, hey, where are you going to be at as soon as you graduate? And, and that like filled me with a lot of anxiety. And, and usually when I hear those responses, it's always followed with, hey, we want you to go wherever God wants you to go, Um, but as long as God doesn't ask you to go five miles away from home (laughs) or take Jody with you. (laughs) Surprisingly, people have always been a little bit all right with me leaving, but if I say, hey, Jody's coming with me, people lose their minds, okay? And I get that. She's funnier than I am. People like her more than me, so I've come to peace with that, okay? And I think I've responded in a healthy manner by moving several hours away from family and taking Jody with me, so... I think I won in that regard. But anyways, this question still filled me with anxiety. And it wasn't just at family gatherings. It was also whenever we went to church because there would be good-hearted people who'd ask this question. And I knew they meant well, but it's kind of a scary thing because you're like, I have no idea what the future holds for me or what I'm supposed to be doing. I know that God has kind of revealed some things, but I didn't know the the context or where that was going to be. And maybe you can relate to that as well. Maybe there are places in your life, and it doesn't have to be just when you're a teenager, because I've seen this in in middle-aged adults and even those past retirement, where you're questioning, what is my purpose in life? And where is my life going? Believe it or not, Jesus dealt with this same thing. Now, that might seem kind of odd, because you're thinking, he was God, he came down to earth with a mission in mind to save all humanity. What does God know about the anxiety of discovering your purpose? And if you're thinking that, yes, you are right in those little details, but that does not mean that Jesus cannot relate to us in how we feel, of feeling like we're wandering through life aimlessly. Because in the final hours of his life, he, he gathers together with his closest followers, and, and he starts to try to prepare them for what's going to come next, because he knows that he's about to die and he needs his purpose to be their purpose. He needs what he's been preparing, what he's been doing. He needs them to do what he's been doing because the world needs people like him in this world. And so we've been looking at that. For, we started last week in chapter 13, and now we are going to be in chapter 14 of John's gospel this morning. As we're looking at Jesus trying to prepare his disciples, and he's emphasizing that this is your purpose, and I want you to carry it out. And so we're gonna be kind of uncovering that as we, we dive now into verse 15 of chapter 14, which serves as kind of like a recap from last week. And I'll go ahead and read it real fast. And it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now what does loving Jesus and keeping his commandments have anything to do with our purpose in life? Don't worry, I'll get to that. But there's some things we need to, to cover, and one of them is a reminder of last week. Now, last week, we talked about the big commandment which Jesus has given to love God and love people like he has loved us. Now, we know that already a little bit because that's our vision statement here at the Bluff. We want to love God and love people. But remember, Jesus kind of raised the bar and said that the standard and the proof that you love Jesus will be in how you love others like Jesus has loved you. And remember, that is a big scary thing if you think about it because this isn't loving based on how you want to be loved or treated this isn't loving based on how someone else has loved you or treated you this is loving you loving others like Jesus has loved you and that sounds easy on paper it even sounds easy in a sermon to say hey this is how we should be loving but in our lives this is difficult I'm sure that there are some of you this week who were here last week who heard this message, and throughout the week there were circumstances that came up that made it really difficult to love others like Jesus has loved you. Maybe it was a family crisis, a family drama, maybe it was a robbery. I don't know what it was. (laughs) There's an inside joke with that, that's okay. I don't know what it was, but there was probably something that came up in your week that was a reminder that it is incredibly difficult to love like Jesus loves. Because it's not in our nature. Our nature is to be selfish, greedy, manipulative people. We want to be loved like Jesus loved us, but we don't want to love others in this regard. So how in the world are we possibly going to love like Jesus loves us? How are the disciples who are hearing these words, how are anybody, or how is anybody going to look like Jesus and love others like Jesus has loved us? I mean, this seems like an impossible thing when you put it in practice. It's easy to say in a sermon or to read, but to put it into our daily lives of living in this this line, this lane, is incredibly difficult. And Jesus knew that. But he promises a, a helper, and it's in the very next verse, And so we go to verse 16 now, and it says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So what's promised here is the Holy Spirit. Now, we tend to just throw the Holy Spirit on the rug. it's like, okay, it's nice to talk about Jesus because he's got this action feel. We're seeing him do all these miracles. And, and it's a wonderful thing in the New Testament to see this is what Jesus has done. And in the Old Testament, we read about God the Father or Yahweh, and he's throwing plagues around. These are all very exciting things to read about. But the Holy Spirit, we kind of just like hush, hush and throw him under the rug. And we're like, oh, yeah, he's, he's that other guy. He's God, but, you know, he's that other personality which we just don't really think about. But the way that Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit and the way that God the Father in the Old Testament talks about the Holy Spirit should give us chills to the magnitude of admiration that they give to the Holy Spirit in his role, which is to dwell with us. Because that has been God's plan since Genesis 1-1, to dwell with a family. And that is possible because of the Holy Spirit in us, guiding us, equipping us, directing us, and sustaining us in, in where we need to go. And so Jesus is basically saying, hey, I understand that what I'm asking you to do is incredibly difficult, but it is not on your shoulders alone to, do like, to be like this. Because this is not in your nature. But things are going to change when the Holy Spirit comes in your life. And he's going to challenge you and direct you in in a new way. He's going to change your character to look more and more like Jesus. So this is not all on our shoulders. This is the Holy Spirit coming in to to save us, to be the real hero going on here. And one day we'll do a bigger study over the Holy Spirit and to talk about more of what the Holy Spirit does. But, But I want you to know that That Jesus understands how difficult this is to love others like Jesus has loved you when things go bad, when people hurt you, but it's not all on your shoulders. It is on the Holy Spirit's shoulders to to move you in that direction. But he stresses, he goes on to to say, he goes on to stress this in verse 23 now when we jump there. It says, if anyone loves me, this is Jesus talking as he's basically talked about the Holy Spirit coming and how the Holy Spirit's going to basically move us to love others. He, he goes on to say, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. This is like the infamous DTR talk in any relationship. You guys remember what that is? It's the define the relationship talk. This is the kind of conversation we tend to avoid in any relationship because it involves those um, icky feelings about each other. You know, like you have to define, is this relationship something meaningful? Is it just a summer fling? Is it just a season of bad gas and poor decision making? Like what is this relationship going on here, okay? (laughs) And it tends to be that we avoid these conversations because they're uncomfortable. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus is not afraid to to go right to the gut and throw him punches to say that if you love him, it has to be the most important thing in your life. That the most important thing about who you are is the relationship that you have with Christ because it will affect every other relationship in your life. And that almost sounds greedy, thinking, God wants me to love him more than anybody else. He wants me to love him more than my family, my parents, my kids, my spouse, my friends. He he wants me to love him more than all those other relationships. And the answer is yes. And I get how difficult that can be because that's not our normal way of operating in this world. But this is the kind of thing that Jesus says that this will be the proof that you love others based on your relationship with him because it is the most important thing about who you are. So please don't don't go out here trying to, to love others in a standard that's not according to the love which Jesus has shown you. Because the world standard is manipulative in the fact that either we love someone based on how they have loved us, or basically we treat others based on how they've treated us, which only continues the problem. Or we start to love others in a kind of manipulative way of, how I'm going to love this person, not because I really love them, because I want them to do something for me. I want to get something out of them. And it might be they physically do something, or it might be you just want to have love shown back to you, so you're trying to manipulate the situation. Don't love like this. Don't live your life seeking an unconditional love that you can get from flawed human beings, and instead, live from one, an unconditional love that's already been given to you in Jesus. Let me tell you about the differences here and what we might see. So, you parents... Don't love your kids expecting to get something out of them. Don't sit here and think, my kid needs to love me and serve me, and my kid needs to honor me above their own spouses, when instead, your job is to love them unconditionally. Because one option creates a very uncomfortable family gatherings, it creates passive aggressiveness, it creates a lot of screening matches because you're trying to get your kid to do for you what Jesus has already done for you. When instead, you're supposed to look like Jesus and love them like Jesus, even if they don't reciprocate those same things back towards you. Kids and everyone, you do the same thing towards your parents. Don't love your parents thinking, my parents exist so I can get something out of them, so I can get all my wants and needs and have my life be easier. And instead, live from a position where you are loving them unconditionally, not expecting to get love unconditionally from them, from flawed human beings. Because one option creates bitterness and anger and thinking, my parents don't love me because they're not doing this thing for me. And the other one creates life and joy and peace in your household. When you stop looking and thinking, others have to serve me and others have to love me like Jesus loves me, and instead you live from that standpoint of God has already given you the love that you so desire, so go out and give it to others now. It's the same thing in our relationship with our friends. If you look at your friends and you think, my friends exist to make me happy, so that they can do things for me without me having to ask them to do things for me. Or you may even get jealous because they seem to be hanging out with people from time to time that aren't you. If that's the state you're in, then you're going to live in bitterness because you're trying to get your friends to love you unconditionally and you will try to manipulate in that to being instead of, rather instead loving them unconditionally. Like Jesus has loved you. One creates jealousy and envy And the other one will create true friendship. What about the church? If you come to church expecting the church to love you like Jesus loves you, which is our goal, but let me clarify. If you come here thinking, this place is all about what I can get out of it. I come here because I want other people to serve me, to make me feel better. Then you will treat this place as if you're a king and queen and you'll look at everyone else and think those are servants and they're meant to make me happy they're meant to show me love and make me feel better when that's not your role in the church rather instead of trying to find unconditional love from other flawed and broken human beings live from a stance of knowing it has already been given to me in jesus and now i'm going to try to love others whether or not they love me back in that regard i'm going to do my best to love others like jesus has loved me you see the difference here one category is where we tend to live because we so much crave an unconditional love given to us rather than understanding it has already been given to us in faith in jesus and is now asking us to live from it not seeking it does that make any sense Because this is what Jesus is trying to get at. This is different than the rest of the world. He's saying, be obedient to this kind of living. And the world's going to try to mock you in that. They're trying to criticize you in that. They will even try to redefine what does it mean to love like Jesus and to make it easier. But don't do that. Because you are called to a higher standard because we know that our obedience to this higher standard that Jesus has given us is not out of trying to manipulate God and get what we can out of God it is from a realization that a tremendous love has been given to us and so we're now going to live from it instead of seeking it from other flawed human beings that's what obedience is it is a response and a realization to what has already been given to us not hey, we're trying to manipulate God or get what we can out of God is from an outpouring of we realize Jesus has loved us tremendously and has asked us to love others in that same regard. And we know that it is from this that our purpose is found. And so let me be clear because this is where our purpose is. Your purpose is where your obedience makes the love of Jesus. Let me say that again. Your purpose why you were created, what you're supposed to do in life now that you have a relationship with Jesus is defined by an obedience that is found in the love of Jesus. So you wonder, what am I supposed to do in life? How am I supposed to act? Where am I supposed to go? Then look at Jesus. Be like Jesus. Act like Jesus. Your purpose is not to to get a job that pays a paycheck and you're like, hey, I want to know, do I need to be in this career or that career? Those are merely vessels which God has called us to be in where we fulfill our purpose as human beings in relationship with Jesus to love others like Jesus has loved us. Now, I understand that we're probably thinking, I cannot do that. I mean, this week might have tested you in that regard. When you're like, hey, I want to go out here, I want to love like Jesus, and then I got that test or I got in that car wreck or I had this family situation come up, believe me, I understand how difficult this is. Remember what Jesus said? This is not all on your shoulders. This is on the Holy Spirit's shoulders. To move you in that direction, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I submit to you in your spirit. Please guide me in this new way. Because this is not easy. And yes, we are going to mess it up because we're still flawed and broken individuals, but Jesus is not done with us. Take a deep breath and let it out. You're still breathing. That means Jesus has not given up on you. You have not suddenly failed that purpose or or fallen outside of that purpose. And he is not like, hey, I'm sorry, but you messed up. I'm done with you. I'm wiping my hands clean. That's not Jesus. Jesus. You might have messed up on the way here to love like Jesus. Well, that doesn't mean the next few moments, the next few hours, the next few days, the weeks, months, that you can't continue to say, I'm trying to love like Jesus has loved me. Because I know in that obedience of doing that, I find my real purpose in life. Because it's not, like I said, to, to get a job. Yes, we want you to work. We want to be contributing members to society. But your real purpose at the core of it is not what gets a paycheck and pays the bills. Your real purpose is your obedience to Christ. Because that is what you were designed for as individuals in faith and relationship with Jesus and as a community of other believers to remind ourselves. is all about Jesus and him telling us to love others like Jesus has loved us. And here at the Bluff, we want others to help find their purpose in life. And that's kind of a scary thing. But we know it is where your obedience meets the love of Jesus. And so that's what we want to encourage you guys to do. Be obedient to Jesus. Look like Jesus. Act like Jesus to this world. And in that, we will begin to see the darkness in our world fall. That's why this morning, as you might have been able to tell, as you walked in, we're going to be celebrating communion again. This is a very special thing which we do, where we remind ourselves of what is the love of Jesus. As we take of the bread that represents how his body was broken for us, as we take of the juice that reminds us that his blood was poured out for us in love. And this is the standard which God says, I want you in turn to love others to be willing to allow your body to be broken, your blood to be poured out for others. And this will be the proof. This is the show of obedience. So this is why we take of this to remind ourselves of this, of what is love. Now, normally when we take of this, we, we take a focus on thinking about here's all the mistakes I've done and Jesus please come into my life into the dark parts of my life and and make some changes in there that's what we've been doing the past few times we've taken communion but I don't want you to think about that just this time yes think about God you've paid for my sins and this remembering act that it represents of what you did on the cross yes that's you could think of that I'm not saying don't think of that what I'm saying is when you take of this think of names Think of places. Think of your purpose. Your call to love others the same way that Jesus has loved you. And who are the people in your life who need that? Who needs forgiveness? Who needs hope? Who needs to be reminded that they are not alone in life? Think on them as you take on this and then go out there and be like Jesus the rest of this week. Find those individuals. Tell them you love them. Be there with them. Share their burdens. Because we are called to love like Jesus has loved us and it is in this obedience that we find our real purpose in life. And I understand you might be a guest here and you might be like, this is kind of confusing to come up here and, and grab one of those things from one of the elders who will be up at the stations. I I don't know about this. It's a little confusing. Don't worry. If you're a guest, there's no pressure. We're not saying you have to do this. You're welcome to do it. But this isn't required for anybody. This is a recommendation. This is an opportunity to love Jesus, to reflect on the love of Jesus shown back to you, and to remind ourselves that we are called to go out and do the exact same thing. So in a minute here, as I pray, the band's going to come up. And they're going to sing and worship, and it is during that time, which I encourage you, when you're ready to get up and go to one of the stations, there's one in the back and two on the side, and take part in this communion and remind yourself of what depths of love Jesus has shown you and how he's asking you, will you fulfill your purpose and show it to others as well? So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for the cross, your sacrifice for our sins, and how you have invested in us to walk in your purpose. That when we come to faith in you, it's not that we're just zapped up to heaven, but you keep us here because you have a purpose for us to represent your love back to the rest of the world. And Father, even though we know we're going to mess that up from time to time, we know your Spirit has not given up on us and your Spirit is still working in us. And we ask for that to happen more and more as we submit ourselves to you in obedience to the love of Jesus. So we thank you for that, Father. It's in your name I pray. Amen.